We've all heard this time and time again. A jack of all trades is a master of none. In growing businesses, this phrase has often been taken to heart. From creating highly focused job roles, to identifying a hyper-targeted audience, to putting full investment into a singular product, service, or solution. Business owners are being told to niche down and dominate their lane. Max Lebowski has a different philosophy. Yeah, there's a bunch of places where we were contrarian or zigged when everyone else zagged. There's been a number of, of waves like that where all the hype is going over here and we're going over there. And it's almost, maybe I'm learning the wrong lesson from it, but at this point it almost seems like do the opposite of whatever is hyped up and you'll be more successful. Max is the co-founder and CEO of Form Labs. Form Labs is a company designing high-performance 3D printers for professional use. He leads an international team of 600 engineers, designers, and problem solvers who are transforming the entire industry. But getting to that point required contrarian thinking every step of the way. So how did Max and Form Labs think differently? And what X factor carried the company from zero to 100 million? Find out on today's episode. I'm Jeremy Bergeron, Vice President of Media Strategy at Mission.org, and this is Business X Factors. Each week, we'll take a look at the secret sauce that takes companies to the highest levels of success and then unpack how they actually got there. We'll explore how these organizations are run, what's so special about the people, culture, and processes that make it all happen. Question for you. What do you think is the best use of technology? Our friends at Highland believe technology is about transforming the way we all work so we can be more informed, empowered, and connected through every interaction and in every relationship with everyone we serve. Highland is your X factor for better performance. Go to highland.com forward slash insights to learn more. That's H-Y-L-A-N-D.com slash insights. Growing up, Max had a unique hobby. He didn't spend his time collecting baseball cards or reading comic books. Instead, Max spent his days researching and downloading new and different kinds of software to learn. As a kid, um, one thing I loved to do was pirate different productivity software like CAD software or photo editing or video editing to make things with those tools. By the time I was doing this in the like late 90s, early 2000s, it was already clear that you could be a master at all sorts of different digital trades without a bunch of expensive either training or tools or access to stuff. For me, that just seemed normal as I was growing up around it. But I, I pretty quickly realized that I was more into making physical things than digital things. But those things, you, you couldn't really do them the same way just with some tools you could get access to on a PC. You did need access to machine shops and much more training and skill and knowledge of how to, to make things. 
And that's where a 3D printer comes in, where it, it shrinks that gap. It makes it much more like creating digitally, where you can create a design digitally, press print, and have it out. When Max was a preteen, his father worked at an engineering conglomerate called Allied Signal, an aerospace and automotive company. It was there that Max had his first exposure to a 3D printer. Allied Signal had one of the first 100 3D printers in the world, and it was a million-dollar system that took up an entire room. Not only was Max impressed by the system itself, he was amazed by what the printer could actually make. I remember him showing me a part. It was like a ball inside a cage, and he was trying to explain to me why this is amazing because you can't make it any other way. And don't know if I fully appreciated it then, where it really took off for me. It was in undergrad at Cornell University. By that point, I had seen a lot more 3D printers, probably made some parts for 3D printers, but I knew them only as these sort of big, expensive refrigerator-sized machines, very inaccessible. And then Cornell had this open-source desktop 3D printer project called Fab at Home, this size box, a few thousand dollars, that was aiming to do what those big machines could do. And that was such an inspiring idea to me. And we weren't yet necessarily thinking about this as going to be like a mass-produced thing and who's going to use it and whatever. It was just the idea of let's take the big machines, make them smaller and cheaper, and see what people can do with them. So that's where I really got hooked. The seedling of vision was planted. Max began working with 3D printers on the side. All the while, a business idea was nagging at him. First, it was like, there's this project, and I want to go and work on it. I want to build a new printer. But then I started to think more and more about, how do we get this to more people? If I'm going to design a new version, am I trying to make it more powerful or cheaper? And then there were people who were selling kind of kit versions of this open source design. So I was working with them, and they were sort of trying to expose me to all the business questions around this, like, how much is this going to cost? If the bill of materials is this much, we have to actually sell it for three or four times that much. So then I started to see that people were starting to commercialize these things. And I thought more about that. I thought about starting a company then, but decided I wasn't ready. Max ignored the call to start a business. Instead, he went to MIT for a master's degree at the Media Lab. He continued to experience the magic of what 3D printing could be, and he started to envision a more solidified business plan. As I was finishing my master's, trying to figure out what to do next, I saw that these companies were having some success, but I looked at what they were making, and I didn't think it was very good. I thought I could build something better. And I was talking to a few different friends at MIT about it. And I remember beginning of 2011, before it had really gone anywhere, I went, went upstairs to my roommate and classmates, David Craner, and said, hey, I want to start a company and build a new printer. Max got buy-in from a few friends, but those early days weren't easy. They never are. The market didn't respond to their idea right away, and they struggled to find an investor to fund what would become Form Labs. The way we got started is we knew we wanted to build this desktop stereolithography type of printer. Pretty much first thing we did was call up my cousin and ask him for a few thousand bucks to build a prototype, buy some parts, and we really didn't have anything. And then the next thing we did was start to work on a bit of a business plan. We knew we would need to raise more money. We entered the MIT 100K competition, which is this kind of business plan competition. We didn't do very well in that, but it was certainly really helpful in uh, forcing us to write down some plans and 
One of the quick things we realized very early on was a thing we needed to do differently than everyone else was focus on a professional 3D printer where everyone else was making desktop printer at the time. They thought there was going to be a mass consumer product at the end of the tunnel. And we looked at that and said, that's, it might happen someday, but we, it's so far away, we can't even work on it now. So let's take all the things that people do with the $100,000 refrigerator machines, and let's take most of that capability, put it in a few thousand dollar desktop thing. So we made that plan, and then we started fundraising. That was tough. Their competitors were working decades ahead of the market, but venture capitalists could not see it. Max had a different idea. Why not make a middle ground product that would have a place in the industry much, much sooner? In those first few years, all the startups in that space were working on the mass consumer printer. I remember a lot of investors were saying, we were talking about like a two or $3,000 printer. And they were saying, no, 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 you need to target a $500 printer. And like next year, there's going to be like a million $500 printers sold. And we said that might happen five years, 10 years from now. And it still hasn't happened 10 years later. But the real opportunity is somewhere between this really niche industrial stuff and the mass consumer thing, that there's this intermediate step. So that was a really important thing. We were the the only company saying that at the time. So you said, I want to make sure I understand. So you decided to go the professional route, but you said there's like a middle ground between the consumer and the professional. Yeah. So the whole industry at that time was $50,000 and up printers, many of them $100,000 and up. That's what was mm-hmm. being sold for already 20 plus years at that point. I mean, the first kind of commercial printer sold in like 1986 or seven or something like that. But people were building desktop machines. And again, they thought they were going to mass consumer. We said, there's this middle ground. That's exactly like the slide we put in our pitch deck. Like here's the expensive okay. ones. Here's the crappy hobbyist ones. And they're off by you know a factor of hundred in price and hundred in what they can do. Why is there nothing in the middle? And that's what we're going to build. And it, it drew a lot of analogies to the history of the computing industry where in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, there was this transition from mainframes. There started to be these hobbyist PCs, but the real bulk of the industry started to focus on these sort of desktop workstation, PC, small business, computer. And that's where kind of modern computing developed out of there. So that's what we were trying to build. Max's story of how the PC came to market is a brilliant comparison of what he was trying to do with Form Labs. But even though he had seen it done in the PC industry, he and his small team were still not having luck with VCs. He was discouraged, but stayed motivated by drawing inspiration from stories of other entrepreneurs. There's a couple of points in the process where I remember meeting someone who we could compare ourselves to, who was a step ahead and had seen some success. And that being a huge moment of gaining confidence where it's like, I know this guy and he was able to raise a few hundred thousand bucks and I don't think he's doing anything I can't do. Max stuck to it and eventually Form Labs was able to find investors that saw the same vision he saw. From there, they needed to make a plan to go to market. We knew we wanted to take pre-orders to sell the first printer and Kickstarter was just getting started at that time. But it wasn't a foregone conclusion that we were going to launch a product on there. We could take pre-orders on our own. And there's a big question of whether Kickstarter was right for us because it was oriented towards consumer products. All the successes on there were $100, $200 
type products. And we were going on there with $2,500, $3,000 thing with professional in the title. So like it was not a slam dunk at all. And we were really worried that it might not fit our brand, trying to work towards professionals. And we went to our main investor board member at the time, Mitch Caper, founder of Lotus Notes, who had this history in the early days of the PC industry. So seeing some of the similar things, laid all this out for him and all the pros and cons. And he said, why is this even a question? You're telling me that you have no marketing PR, anything ability now. No one knows who you are. And if you go on Kickstarter, you're going to get all this press automatically and this credibility that you don't have. And all they want is you know 5%. And yeah, maybe it's going to compromise the brand that you don't even have yet. But who cares? The only thing that matters is wow. getting anywhere. The Kickstarter ended up being a massive success. When Max and his team unveiled their first Form 1 printer prototype, they asked for a minimum Kickstarter pledge of $2,299. Their goal was to raise $100,000. That turned out to be child's play. Form Labs blew past that goal and ultimately raised more than $2.9 million in just a matter of months. So what made Formlabs products stand out on Kickstarter and in the market in general? And what X Factor not only carried the company through the early days, but has helped it scale into the $2 billion giant it is today? Stay tuned to find out. If you run a business, you have information. Loads and loads of information across different channels, systems, and silos. How can you connect the dots to make sure the right information gets to the right people who need it? Highland helps more than half of the Fortune 100 companies do just that by providing them with the tools they need to digitally transform and create more meaningful connections with the people they serve. Highland is your X factor for better performance. Go to highland.com forward slash insights to learn more. That's H-Y-L-A-N-D.com slash insights. Form Labs had raised nearly $3 million on Kickstarter when it launched its first product. After having struggled for so long to convince investors that the business was actually worth funding, what did consumers see that investors overlooked? Consumers recognized the vision that Max had since day one and the opportunity it presented, a professional printer that could do it all for an affordable price. Most general advice for a B2B technology company is you need to be very vertical specific. You can't solve everyone's problem. And I think that's probably the like more reliable answer, like probably most medium successful B2B companies sure, are like that. Sure. I would say most really successful companies of any type are more horizontal and are more about bringing a new capability to a lot of people across many industries, you know, whether you look at the PC revolution. And so that's how we focused. We said we're a horizontal technology platform. We're going to put as much printer capability per dollar into this machine as we can to make it as fast as possible, as high resolution, as accurate. And then there's a lot of different, in 3D printing, there's a hundred different applications. And ultimately, we've certainly had to build up more, especially in the last five years, a lot more ability to serve specific verticals. But the technology behind it and most of the 
money we invest goes into a common platform that, that works across all these fields. By investing in different applications, Formlabs attracted a large customer base, and it is with that broad interest that the company is able to double down on investments in innovation that continue to keep it light years ahead of its competitors. Compared to most of our competitors, we are more horizontal in, in nature. And that gives us these huge advantages of being able to put more R&D into a single platform than anyone else can, because we sell more of them than anyone else can. That's what I think really wins in these true technology fields. If you can pour more into this thing, you get so far ahead that it doesn't matter if someone works on specializing their thing a little bit for a field. To steal a term from Jim Collins, author of Good to Great, Formlabs had created a flywheel of innovation. What do I mean by this exactly? Let's take a look at Amazon. Amazon operates on the idea that lower prices drive increased customer visits, which attract more third-party sellers. This in turn further expands its range and distribution and increases its revenue. This is Amazon's flywheel. As Amazon continues to provide lower and lower prices and a larger selection of goods, the company continues to grow. Max had identified something similar at Form Labs, but rather than focus on providing the cheapest products, he focused on providing the most diverse product. More use cases created a broader customer base, which brings in more revenue that they can use for R&D to create even more use cases and attract even more customers. And so the flywheel spins. And what exactly can you do with Form Labs printers? Customers in the healthcare industry have used the printers to make custom dentures, custom aligners, surgical guides, and much, much more. Other examples include jewelry production, digital models and prop making for entertainment, custom hearing aids, and a whole heck of a lot more than that. Large manufacturers across the aerospace, automotive, defense, and consumer goods industries are also adopting these digital manufacturing tools. They are using 3D printing as a catalyst for efficiency, giving staff from production engineer to machinist the tools they need to tighten supply chains, improve production, and get to market faster, saving hundreds of thousands of dollars and weeks to months of time along the way. The professional use cases are endless, and according to Max, that's exactly the point. They not only invest in the software and hardware to make these products possible, but they also invest in creating cutting-edge custom materials as their customers need it. We make it easy to go from a 3D design to a real thing. There's so many applications there. We can't really go into any of them, and, and you need specialists from those fields. So it's, it's really much more customers pulling it from us. There's a couple of places where we'll go deep into something we're working with New Balance on printing midsoles for shoes. So we develop new materials for them and, and we're getting that set up. There's a couple of places we'll go deep. Even as a leader, Max doesn't believe in niching down. He has his hands in every type of process and project, from the smallest detail to the big vision for the company. He believes that you need to be a master of the daily tasks in order to build a comprehensive, long-term direction for the business you're the, the leader of the company. And that in and of itself is a full contact sport. Being a CEO, being an entrepreneur, we talk about this at Mission all the time of just how we have these people in their zones 
that allows our leadership to just not get pulled down to the tactical operational things. It sounds like you have that with your team there, which is really cool. So you get to be in your zone of genius more. Well, you said to not get pulled down to the tactical. And I think that's not the right perspective, actually. I think that a lot of entrepreneurs or leader type people, they always they have the wrong mode of thinking there where they think I need to not spend too much time on the details so that I can worry about the bigger picture. And the way I think that's a little differently, I think about it as a, there's a day job and a night job. The day job is all the details and getting that right and doing that really well is the basis. And the bigger picture of strategy stuff where you change directions and things like that, it's almost better after hours because you can only do it well when you have a deep understanding of the details and of what's going on today. Knowing the details really well is incredibly valuable. Max has scaled form labs from zero to a hundred million plus and a range that most companies will never see. The velocity of growth that form labs has seen in the last decade and the growth that it is still poised to see in the years to come is all thanks to the company's unique value proposition. The X factor that has made it stand out since day one Form Labs refused to niche down. And here's the thing. Do you remember the quote we started with at the beginning of this episode? A jack of all trades is a master of none. Well, that's not the full quote. Here's how it really goes. A jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. Since Max was a young kid pirating software, to today is a CEO of leading a multi-million dollar company, he's long believed that you don't need to niche down. Rather, you should just do the opposite. Become a jack of all trades and you'll outperform your competitors who are only masters of one. Business X Factors is brought to you by our friends at Highland. For over a decade, Highland has been named a leader in the Gartner Magic Quadrant for content services platforms, leading the way to help people get the information they need when and where they need it. More than half of 2020 Fortune 100 companies rely on Highland to help them create more meaningful connections with the people they serve. When your focus is on the people you serve, Highland stands behind you. Highland is your X factor for better performance. Go to highland.com forward slash insights to learn more. That's H-Y-L-A-N-D.com slash insights. You've been listening to Business X Factors, created by mission.org and brought to you by Highland. If you like this show, please be sure you subscribe or follow us on your favorite podcast app. I'd be so grateful if you rated and reviewed this show on Apple Podcasts, as that really helps ensure that more amazing listeners like you find the show. Thanks for listening. I'm Jeremy Bergeron, and I'll catch you next time on Business X Factors. Business X Factors.